Welcome back to the Game People podcast. Each week, we choose a particular game and get a collection of writers from the website to talk about it. This week, we're going to be looking at Fable 2. Come and join the gang of reviewing artisans. See it from every angle. This week, I'm joined by Rebecca Mays, Anya Graham, and Alex Beach. Anecdotal. Hardcore casual, personal, there's someone just like you, people. So, I'm here with uh, a few writers from Game People, and we're going to be talking about Fable 2. But before we get started, let's get them each to introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Rebecca Mays, and I used to write for Game People as audio gamer, and that's how I started and now I write for the Escapist magazine and I write song reviews and I still have a blog on game people as well so I still feel like part of the family. Good, that's because you are. <laughs> and Anya, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Anya Graham and I write as a contributor to the Eclectic Gamer section and I'm working on a new section to do with bikes and games. Cool. Looking forward to that. And Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Beach. I, I write the Scared Gamer column on Game People, and uh, that's a column with a focus on fear and horror in a variety of games in places you wouldn't necessarily expect it to always be. And that leaves me, uh, Paul Govan, and I look after the Family Gamer section on the website. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of what we think about Fable 2, uh, let's take a moment to just try and introduce it to someone who hasn't played it. Fable 2 is a third-person RPG with an emphasis on choice. Um, it's unusual because of the way it affects the, both the player's character and the world in which they play as they make choices through the game. So not only do they affect the way their character looks, but they also affect what happens in the environment around them. It has a degree of an open world to it, so you can explore and you can take your own take your own pace at things. But there is a main story and a main thread that's very compelling uh, and takes you on a tra- trajectory um, through the heart of the world. I suppose one of the things you miss is the, the kind of gap between what people expected when game coverage began and what actually came out because there was this promise of this progression of time affecting the world and what it ended up being were some very distinct, almost chaptered chunks to the game of three points in the hero's life. And the choices you made in one section really played out in the next era of the game as opposed to being some kind of fluid, natural progression as it went through. It was far more chaptered than perhaps people were originally led to believe by Peter Molyneux's promises when the game was being promoted initially. Yeah, so maybe he promised he promised everything, he promised the world, um, but he only delivered it in small chunks. So there was a degree of what he was talking about, but it was contained in these chapters. Um, I'd probably describe it as, as a kind of adventure game. It's almost a bit... I mean, if I was describing it to a total novice, I'd probably say it's a bit like being inside a book, like a Harry Potter-type book. Um, where you are just yeah exploring a world and having an adventure and and also that it's a very sort of archetypal story that you've got a lot of archetypal kind of characters that it's that sort of typical adventure game yeah I would agree that it's a it's a typical adventure game um I would perhaps describe it as almost a little world that you can make your own but 
of course because of the chaptering and, and the zones it doesn't quite fit into one fluid world all the time. So before we get on to our conversation let's take a short musical break. Right, well, let's dig into uh, what Fable 2 meant for each of us. And let's start by looking at the game environment and maybe the world you play in. What did you think of that space? To me, it was almost the most interesting character of the game. I mean, you had this kind of voiceless character that you took control of, and there were a couple of other lead hero characters within your party that were interesting, but nothing quite compared to this almost cartoony, hyper-real, medieval part Victorian world that you were in and it was I thought it was really beautiful you were like sitting there sometimes looking out over these Edwardian houses in one area and then you'd go somewhere else and it would be cottages and thatched roofs and I really thought that the characters were in the world mostly were fairly generic the townsfolk of each area but each area was so distinct it gave a really nice vibe and overarching feel to the whole experience yeah, I that really drew me in a lot more than a lot of other elements. Yeah, something that drew me in was the way you had proper day and night cycles. I'm a bit of a sucker for that in any game. I'd love coming back to the same space, but at a different time of day. And it would be, because of the way the, ga- the game's rendered, it would look completely different. And then things in that environment um, would also be different, whether the shops were open or how much traffic there was on the roads. Um, and even, even, I think, the sort of wildlife and little um, graphical features that they would be applied just gave it a real sense of place. Yeah, I think it had a really overwhelming sense of place. It's just really, really tangible. And and that kind of ties in really like with the whole way that the the game is trying to reflect life itself. Like it just feels like the developers have really thought about that, about about how to reflect life itself and the placing is, is really where they've really brought that out. Do you think it's successful in a particular aspect of sort of recreating life? Well, yeah. I mean, just little things like like how it's kind of easier to be bad in the game than it is to be good, or mm. um, the the things that you do affect the way that you look, and and you know all the things about your choices and your decisions and how that and your relationships. Yeah, I think they've just really focusing on that element of trying to recreate what real life is really like. It's, it's interesting there, as we start to try and talk about the world, we're drawn into talking about the characters in it and the population in it. And there's a mm-hmm. sense that they understood that um, you couldn't recreate a living space without doing most of the work on the people that were there and on the interactions that were happening in that space. My first impressions were it just it feels almost like you're being drawn into this world and there's a great sense of belonging and it's really easy to just get drawn in very quickly to the game and just get lost in everything that's happening around you. We were talking about it previously that um, an aspect of how you've been playing it, you'd, you'd got quite distracted away from the main adventure. Yeah, I decided that rather than simply following the main story, I would have a bit of an explore around the place and then um, I decided to try and have a family and, and so I got a husband, had a baby and made a house and all that kind of stuff and I think 
for me, that's really great that you can do that alongside being a hero in a game. Oh, how did you feel about the kind of family interaction? Because that was a really, it felt a little bit shallow at times to me. Because you could, you'd go off, you'd woo somebody, you'd give them presents, and then eventually, suddenly, you could take them home and have a baby with them and be married. It yeah. just a bit <laughs> strange at times. It's, it feels almost forced, I think, that aspect. I think maybe, I don't know, they ran out of time or something, but particularly interacting with the baby, I just find quite awkward in the game. I still enjoy it, but it doesn't feel as good as the interactions with other people. I stuck to the main adventure, so I, I sort of... I did do some stuff, like I did get married, and I love that the whole marriage narrative that they that they bring to the moment when you're actually getting married. It's great. But I didn't didn't have kids... I always had safe sex, <laughs> so because um, I was aware of the implications. With, with the of condoms your dog that. found in the wood. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure that qualifies as safe. Yeah, actually, they didn't check the sell-by date, um, but it meant that I, d I haven't experienced that part of the game yet. Even though, although I'm quite away into the adventure, I haven't had any kids. So how did how does that re interaction work when you've got children? Are they like other other people in the world, or are they different? Well, I'm not sure what happens after a certain stage, but mine, for about three gaming hours, has stayed as a baby in a cot. Oh. So it's, um, it's static, not moving around? No, no, you can hear it crying sometimes, and that's about as far as the interaction well, you, gets. You can go over and dance for him, he'll li love you more for that. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, he laughs if you do funny stuff. Like yeah. farting or something. Yeah, yeah, they enjoy that a but lot. Mike, Mike it's like the same that. interaction, actually, as they get older. Because, like, as I said at the beginning, it's very chaptered. And with each chapter, they get a bit older. So there's big jumps in their kind of age range. And then the next time you see them, they'll be young boys, young girls. And you can give them gifts that relate to what they're interested in a bit more. But it, the interaction is basically the same as every other interaction in the game. Yeah, and I wonder, because I've, I've gone on to sort of the second, second or third chapter in the game... Um, and I wonder if, because I haven't had kids now, does that mean that my children can't get as old as, as Anya's <laughs> by the end of the game? I wonder, well, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, really. My first wife in the game was uh, when we got, I got to the first village just outside Bowerstone, oh, yeah, you go so, so. on a quest. And uh, I fell in love with somebody's wife. That Her name was Eve Adams' wife or something. <laughs> I, spent the I made it my mission for like three hours in game just to woo her and get her away from him. So I wooed her, got her away from him, married her, and started having children with her. And uh, yeah, yeah, I when broke say, up that family. When thing. you say you fell in love with her, you mean in the game, do you? Or? In the game, I decided that was going to be the person I fell in love with. She was the only character model that looked vaguely human or female, to my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the one so I went So you're a homebreaker, Alex. Yes, I'm a homebreaker. I destroyed that home. Wow. <laughs> and and not my proudest moment. Did it affect your character? Did your did your character start to look sort of slightly evil? Uh, no, but it did affect my standing in the town. Um, the guy just wouldn't talk to me, so I ended up. I think I ended up giving him a lot of hot dogs, and he came round to like me. It kind of shows the kind of the system isn't quite as deep as perhaps it should be on that in that respect. Which sort of takes us into in in a nice way into the sense of the, the decisions we're making now in this space and with the people that are populated in it um, start to have an effect on on our story or, of our adventure. I like that, the way that for all four of us um, we've got a different experience of the same game. I know that if I peek over the shoulder of, say, Anya or Rebecca as they were playing, their character would look very different. I, I think they've done really well to focus on things like 
um, how you look and and that buying presents for each other does really win people over and because I mean maybe that is quite superficial but actually you know how the vanity of human beings is is so great that that I think that that's yeah that they've um they've picked up quite well on on our weaknesses like vanity and greed and hung and love of food and <laughs> yeah presents. yeah it seems that you can quite easily well you, you'll pass people won't you in the game but since they have a little present above their head and if you get them to like you enough they'll they'll give you the gift won't they and um they are then like you say they're quite easy to sort of manipulate and sort of mm. be like, oh, be my friend. It's almost depressing that what you've just suggested is that the game system is really transparent, but basically so are people. <laughs> <laughs> that was the implication there, Rebecca. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But people are, aren't they? Um, Find out. Uh, send what me depends, some hot dogs it depends, and uh, we'll see how much I like you. <laughs> it depends what, what arena you're in, I think. In Fable, everything's in the same pot. So whether you're trying to convince somebody to be your friend to go to bed with you or to go and kill someone for you you use that you're using the same devices whereas in the real world that dialogue would would have to use different methods yeah you'd have to you'd, have, you'd motivate obviously in real life it's much more complex so i think they're raising kind of a really interesting question about what motivates us as human beings and why hmm. and where that's coming from yeah which is unusual for a game isn't it um, yeah, but how did you all play the game? Did you have you started out with an intent to be make good choices or attempt an intent to make evil choices, or are you just sort of seeing how it unfolds? I personally always want to make good choices, and and yeah, was like I'm going to be a really good person and blah blah blah, um, and but then you sort of quite quickly realise that that it's kind of interesting to explore other possibilities. Yeah, I started off as a bit of a goody-two-shoes, but in the same way I realised you can't just be good all the time in the game. You have to watch what you're doing, and sometimes it is more beneficial to not be so good. I always go in with the aim of playing as I think I would be in real life, but there does come a point where you start to see the game for what it is and what you want to achieve, and you realise that if you want to get... Like there, are, there are these magic doors in the game, and there was one specific door that I wanted to open, and that required me to be good and in love. So it was like, okay, so I've got to eat enough tofu till I'm a good guy, and then I've got to go and woo this woman and take her to the door. So I was driven far more by what I wanted to achieve in certain goals than I was by an overarching aim as I went into the game. It's an interesting sort of way the game makes us or sort of invites us to pl maybe play in a way that we wouldn't initially intend to play. I remember um, this moment um, that's pretty near the beginning of the game where you encounter uh, this ghost of a, of a gentleman who has died or has been killed before he could marry his sweetheart and he gives you a note and it's then up to you how you, how you deal with it. Um, and I was interested because I felt like I'd, I thought, okay, this, I'm just going to see what happens in the game. I'm going to take the evil option. So what happens, you, you go off and you, you, you try and deliver the note, you deliver the note to his fiancée. Um, but in that conversation, there's the potential for you to sort of woo the fiancé and there's part of that story whereby you can sort of, in the game, fall in love, marry his potential wife. And I thought that was the that was the evil route, and, and the good route would be to revenge his death, kill the guy who who killed him, and get, deliver the note to, to the woman. Um, and those are two. I think those are two valid ways of doing it. But I heard Peter Molyneux talking about this point in the game, and and he was saying actually the proper evil thing to do is to 
go and get the wife, sort of woo her or encourage her, take her up to be reunited with her, the ghost of her husband, and then kill her in front of him. <laughs> and um, Ooh, <laughs> I, had, I was like, whoa, that's really dark. Um, and there's that sort of sense that you can make decisions in the world, but they, it feels like they've, uh, they've accommodated a, quite a, a wide scope of what's good and evil. And for me, I was playing in this little narrow middle, middle path, but there was this really sadistic... <laughs> Mm. Angle. So has anybody done the long walk where you've got some guy following you and you're trying to lead him somewhere quiet so you can stab him so your <laughs> status won't go down in the, st- the city? Like lead him up behind some barrels and there's somebody else following you so you've got to scare them off so you can stab the one guy without being without getting any negative consequences from it. It's, does, does it work? I don't really, think I've done that. Does yeah, it work? If, if, you, if, you don't, if you don't get seen killing somebody, then your morals go down, but your reputation doesn't. Mm. So, and you can regain your morals by eating tofu. Which sort of comes back to um, Rebecca's point. But, but there is something about, like, what, yeah, what do people think of me? Because we do that all the time as humans, don't we? We, we make choices thinking, is this, is this vis- going to be visible and am I going to be judged for it? Yeah, I think that's, really, that's a really interesting point. A specific point, I mean, we talked about families and marriage and the thing that we perhaps didn't touch on is that you can have as many wives or husbands as you like within the game. You can just keep marrying. But eventually, if you do that, somebody will, blackmail, will come to blackmail you about the marriage and they will meet you under the bridge, which is hidden to start with. So they are basically setting themselves up to be killed and you are then in a position where there is no good or bad side to it. I, I ended up paying them off, actually, and my intention was to run after them and kill them and get my money back. <laughs> but the game, the moment I made the decision, they, dis- they ran about four steps and vanished into thin air. If you kill them, they've actually given the information to somebody else to pass on to your, one of your wives. So you can't get away with it like that, but you don't know that before you make the decision. Interesting. I wanted to start the game off being really good and not doing anything evil, but even just accidentally I found myself a couple of times pressing the wrong button <laughs> and terrifying villagers and being called a fear monger yeah. and it is quite amusing actually and I did wonder if I did the game again that perhaps I would try and be as evil as I could be and see how that worked out and see if it was more fun to play that way Has anyone had a statue made? No, I've I, had one I did statue have, made I think I had a couple in And what end. was it? What did you make of the whole statue thing? I only did it because um, it was a job, so you got paid for it. Ah. 